Good evening as well. Welcome to Sovereign Grace Church. My name is Aaron Anderson. I serve as one of the pastors here on behalf of our entire church. If you're a guest, uh, we just want to welcome you. We want to thank God for you. Um, Hopefully get a chance to meet you at some point, maybe after the meeting, but we're just grateful to God that you would be here to join us in worshiping um, our God so loving us, sending his son Jesus into this world to save us. So again, thank you for joining us this morning. Now, before we jump into Isaiah, um, in just a moment, I do, I do just want to share, I guess, a, a brief announcement for those uh, who are unaware. We're not going to be meeting tomorrow morning as a church, and so we're going to be meeting, obviously, tonight, and so our next Sunday meeting will be on January 1st at 10, and if you're a guest, we'd love to see you back there, as back here as well. And so, again, not meeting tomorrow, um, but we'll be meeting the following Sunday on January 1st. Um, if you can, would you please open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. We're just going to look at mainly verse 6, but I'm going to read verses 6 and 7 this evening. So Isaiah wrote... For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, we're here. This is Christmas Eve and we've been enjoying the Christmas season now, which seems like for at least a month, right? Kind of gets in there before Thanksgiving and most of us if not all of us, have traditions that we live out during Christmas and especially on Christmas morning. And if you would have watched me when I was a kid, one of my traditions, I didn't grow up as a believer. Um, We celebrated to a degree, but I didn't grow up worshiping Christ, knowing Christ as my Savior. And so one of my traditions, along with uh, my siblings, was to get up around 3 a.m., and this, this lasted for a while. It was probably right after my parents were done doing whatever it is they were doing. Um, so me and my brother and my sister, we'd get up at 3 a.m. And what we'd do is we'd just sit there in front of the Christmas tree and we'd look at presents. And we would watch the clock go by and we'd hope that we wouldn't be too loud, but just loud enough to get my parents out of bed so that we could then unwrap all of those presents. And on occasion... You'd pick up a present, you'd hold it, you'd maybe see if there was a piece of masking tape that was just a little loose that you could, you could look. So that was one of my traditions uh, growing up. But since then, I've gotten saved, and the traditions have changed over the year as uh, the love of Christ, my love of Christ, has grown and understanding uh, really what Christmas is all about. And traditions are good. Traditions are good because they they help us to stop for a moment and kind of remind ourselves uh, what's taking place. Now, sometimes we can do traditions so often that uh, they just become too familiar, 
and we just kind of go through the motions. And what I want to do today uh, is I don't want to go through the motions. I know we're here because it's Christmas Eve, and we're here to worship God and be reminded of Christ. And, and, that, and that's what I want to do this evening, is I just want to take our remaining time together to remind us of Jesus Christ. Nothing new. This is what I love about Christmas. But I would say as a pastor at times, especially during Christmas, and then I would say at Easter, there's, there's always this temptation to want to create something new, to get your attention, something that will like pique your interest. And what, where I've landed over the last 20 years, and I probably landed here earlier than this year, is like there, there really isn't nothing better than to share the same old story. And just to stop and for us to be reminded of Jesus Christ. So on this Christmas Eve, what I'd like us to do is just simply be reminded of who Jesus Christ is. So that we might celebrate him more clearly and more passionately. Not just tonight, tomorrow morning and Lord willing for the rest of our lives. And not just celebrate him but worship him and pick up our cross and follow him. And so the prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 9, verse 6, the following. I'm going to read this again about Jesus. He said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. From the beginning of this verse, we are told that that God has given to us His Son, Jesus Christ. Long before Jesus was ever born into this world, the prophet Isaiah told us that this was going to happen. That God was going to give us a child, a son, His only son, to save us from our sins. He tells us in this prophecy that this this child, this is important, that this child will be the answer to every destructive thing that sin does to us and this world. In these two verses, Isaiah declares to us that Jesus is all we need. And that's really what we're here doing tonight is we're singing about Christ. We're seeking to make much of Christ. We're seeking to glorify God for so loving us and sending his son into the world to save us. And, and we're also just sort of here crying out to God saying, Lord, we need Christ. We need him because he's the answer to all of our sins problems. And not just our sins, but the problem of sin and the stuff that it's created, the mess that's developed in the world because of sin. And so we're crying out saying, Jesus, you're all we need. In John 3.16, we learn more about this child, Jesus, and the gift that he is to all of us. The Apostle John wrote the following. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And Jesus is the Son of God. 
He's the child that's come into our world to save us and to give us eternal life. This Christmas, like all Christmases, we are celebrating God's Son, Jesus Christ, whom he has given to us so that we might be saved through him. Now, at the end of verse 6 in Isaiah chapter 9, we learn four specific things about Jesus that we're to celebrate and that we're to worship him for. So we're going to look at those, those names that Isaiah calls this child that God has given to us, this child whom we know to be Jesus the Christ. The first thing we learn is that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Now, the word wonder here means marvelous, extraordinary, beyond the normal realm of human explanation. And the word counselor means wisdom or giver of wisdom. So we we put these two words together and, and they mean that Jesus is marvelous. He's extraordinary in all of his ways. And we don't have time this evening to kind of go through all of those things, but, but that's who he is. He's extraordinary. He's marvelous in all his ways, but it's not just that. He's also wisdom or the giver of God's wisdom. And so he's extraordinary. He's marvelous in all of his ways. And he's, 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 he's putting these together to, to help us see that, that he's this and he gives wisdom. He gives us wisdom. Romans 11 verse 34 tells us that his judgments and ways are unsearchable. And then ask this question for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And the answer to those questions is no one. No no one's his counselor. But what we learn from Isaiah is that he's our wonderful counselor. And he's God in the flesh. When we talk about his wisdom, what we're talking about is is he always knows the right thing to do at the right time with the right amount of effort so that it produces the right result. I love thinking about God's wisdom and I love thinking that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He's the giver of this marvelous, extraordinary, divine wisdom because he's perfect in all his ways and his ways are always right. And so how this hits home to us is that if you ever find yourself in a position where where you just don't know what to do, has anybody ever been there? Where you just you, you find yourself in a mess at times. Maybe it's not your mess, maybe you just walked into that mess, or somebody calls you up or they enter your office, or you just see them on the side of the road at a gas station, or you're just living life somewhere, and you find yourself in a situation where where you just have no idea what to do kind of happened this evening honestly we were setting up for this place and one of the guys who was setting up comes in and he's like hey there's there's a bunch of water leaking out of the building across the street and so obviously it's a burst pipe that stuff's kind of going on at this time and it's in this moment it's like I'm not a plumber everybody here was not a plumber but in God's wisdom this thing happened at the right time because at the right time we do have a plumber in the church who just happened to be working who just happened to be traveling down 92 at the time I called him and he was four minutes away but I didn't know what to do except for Lord help us and so it happens in a very practical way like that where the Lord the Lord is the giver of wisdom but it it hits us in these moments where you don't know what to do where do we turn to the wonderful counselor, and his name's Jesus. Or 
and I would say this is where it gets better, is, is when you get stuck in the foolishness of your sins. You know those moments where you, you kind of screw up real bad. You sin in such a way where you might hurt somebody. Maybe not physically, but it hurts your relationship. Breaks the relationship. And it's broken, and you're just living in this mess. Where, where do we turn in those moments? Well, Isaiah would say, turn to the wonderful counselor. For God has so loved you that he gave us his son. And this is who Jesus is. He's our wonderful counselor who, who enters into the mess and gives us wisdom. It's not sort of figured out on our own because we, we can't figure sin out on our own, but, but we turn to him where we find forgiveness of all of our sins, where we find reconciliation for broken relationships. And this is the gift that we have in Christ, our wonderful counselor. The second thing we learn about Jesus is he's not just our wonderful counselor, and, and that's great. It's amazing in, in all those ways, but, but Isaiah tells us that he's also our mighty God. This child that's going to be given, this child that's going to be born is a wonderful counselor, and, and he's going to be, and he is, your mighty God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle John writes the following. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so this Christmas, like every Christmas, we are gathered together celebrating our God who was there in the beginning, powerfully at work, making this world, creating something, us, out of nothing. And then God the Father sent this mighty God, his son Jesus Christ, our Savior, into this world to save us. See, Jesus is the power of God, because he is God. He is the all-powerful God. There is no one, nor is there anything else in all of creation that is more powerful than our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. His power has done a lot of great things and continues to do a lot of great things. His power created this thing. His power is at work sustaining us, just think about that for a moment. He's, he's holding this thing all together. My thing, I mean our very lives. See, a lot of times we, we just don't think about it, and we think we can just sort of do things on our own. But the reality is what Scripture teaches. It's, it's God who's holding this together. It's God who has numbered our days. It's God who gives us life and sustains it. And so his power is doing that. But Christ coming into this world as our mighty God also did something with his power. He powerfully went to the cross and defeated our sin so that we might be forgiven of all of our sin and given eternal life. 
And his power is at work in us as well. Not just giving us the air we need so we can take the next step, but his power is at work in us, strengthening us day in and day out so that we actually might be his people and live out our lives glorifying him. That, that happens because of his power. Because of his mercy and his grace at work in us, giving us these desires to want to know him and to want to love him and to want to pick up a cross and follow him. That's his power at work in us. His power guards us. And what his power does is his power leads us home to heaven where we get to spend that with him and with all the saints. Paul Tripp in one of his devotionals or Advent devotionals, I can't remember which one, I think he's written a number of them, wrote the following. He said, sin causes us all to be unable to do what God designed us to be and to do what God created us to do. So Jesus would unleash his power to defeat sin and death and then empower us to desire and to do what we would not be able to do without his power working in and through us. What a gift that is. What, what this means on a practical level is if you love Jesus, if, if there's this desire in your heart to want to wanna know him and to want to follow him and to pick up that cross and deny yourself, if, if that's there, what Paul Tripp is saying in that, in that section and what I think Isaiah is trying to show us here is, is that the only reason that's there is because of this mighty God we have in Jesus Christ who has saved us and has put those desires in our hearts. See, it's a gift. It's a gift that he gives to us. And I, I guarantee you won't open anything up either tonight or tomorrow morning that will ever compare to the gift that we have in Jesus Christ, who is our mighty God. The third thing we learn about Jesus is that he is our everlasting father. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus is God the father because he's not. He's Christ the son, but it does mean that he is the father of eternity. The word father here, when it's put together that Isaiah is teaching us about, what it means is possessor of. And so he's the possessor of eternity. He's the one who has it and who gives it. Again, in John 3.16, we learn the following. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so we receive this eternal life by believing in and trusting in Jesus Christ, whom God sent into this world to live and die in our place. And so the logic behind this is because Jesus... Because he's the everlasting father, we can have confidence that when we believe in him, we will receive eternal life from him. So I, I told you at the beginning what Isaiah is doing here is he's saying Jesus is the answer to the mess of our sins that it, it makes in our life and in this world. And, and he kind of simplified in this way. He, what he's telling us is, is we absolutely need Jesus for absolutely everything. And when we're talking about eternal life, spending life forever with God, having this right relationship with God, it's 100% dependent upon Jesus. Trusting in and believing in what he's done for us through his life, death, and resurrection. 
See, Jesus, by his perfect life, sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection, he welcomes us into his family by him, by faith alone in him. He's the door by which we have access to God the Father, the forgiveness of sins, perfect righteousness, and eternal life. Through faith in him, we are blessed with all the rights and privileges of being a child of God. All of that is ours because of him. Because of him, we're no longer separated from God, lost in our sins and alone in this world. Instead, because he's our everlasting father, we will live forever with him as the sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What's great about this, when we start talking about fathers and Christ being the father of eternity, so to speak, he's not like our earthly fathers. And I love earthly fathers. I think those fathers are gifts from God. I just happen to be a father. Four kids. But as a father of four kids, I'm aware that I'm not perfect. I have my own dad, and I'm aware that he wasn't perfect. And I'm sure there's dads here, and you're going to probably stand up, or you could say that you haven't been perfect. But when we're talking about God, we're talking about perfection. He's perfect in all his ways. He never takes back a promise from us. But instead, he always fulfills it. He'll never leave us, nor he'll never forsake us. And so this Christmas, we are here celebrating and worshiping our everlasting Father who came down to earth so that he could give us eternal life with him forever, and we receive this gift by faith alone in Christ alone. And kind of a, a practical application. And so here's, here's my practical application of this, and really you could take it for all of these names. It would be this. Before you open up a present tomorrow, or at whatever your traditions might be, here's what I want to encourage us to do. Before you open up that gift, Take a moment and think about eternity. I know this. As I was writing this and I was reviewing this, I was just thinking this is probably going to be awkward. And I agree it would. If you're not in the habit of doing that as a family, maybe you already have your traditions already set. And we have one tradition already set in our home. I'll let you in on it. I I wasn't planning on this, but I'll let you in on it. So one of our traditions is is we like to read the Christmas story, right? I'm sure most people like to do it. We open up Luke and we just start reading, but but we do it in a special way. I invite my brother-in-law down and we give him the honor of reading it. And and what he likes to do is he likes to start in Luke 1. And if you give him enough time, he will make his way through the entire book. It gets a little awkward, and so we have to shut him down. Point being is sometimes traditions can be awkward. We don't, we don't let them go all the way through, just so you know. But I think this is one of those things that is, is worth the effort in. If you're going to open up gifts, you're going to get something new. How long does that new thing last? It might last a while, right? But it doesn't last forever. So another tradition we've started, and it's not a Christmas tradition, this is more of a eating dinner together as a family tradition in my home. We always do sort of this pit and peak thing, and that's kind of always there, but I'm trying to institute this new one where we, we just we share gospel encouragement with one another. And it's awkward. 
because it's, it's new to our family and our dinner table. And by gospel encouragement, I mean, I want somebody to share the gospel with the family. But I don't just want them to share it in the way where it's like, okay, God sent Jesus into this world and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for my sins. That's good news. But what we're looking for in gospel encouragement is take that good news and apply it to our lives today in just a few sentences. And so it can be awkward because it's changing the way we're having dinner. And so I come back to this tomorrow morning. Be awkward. Because it's worth it. There's going to be probably a lot of great gifts around the tree, but there's no greater gift than the one that God has given to us. Those gifts under the tree, they're going to bring joy maybe, probably, but they don't bring eternal life. They're momentary, temporary. Christ is eternal, and he gives that as the possessor of eternity. He he gives it freely to those who believe in him. And so let it be awkward. But let's us think about this gift that God has given to us. The fourth and final thing we learn about Jesus is that he is our Prince of Peace. The name Prince of Peace in Hebrew means the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures peace. I'm going to say that again. The one who removes all peace disturbing factors and secures peace. Now, there are many things I think that set Jesus apart from all other earthly rulers, but in my studying as I was meditating, I think this one, the, being the Prince of Peace, is sort of, it stands out a bit. We, we all know earthly rulers. We've been through a number of elections over the last several years, and we've seen our own rulers, and they're not really the bringers of peace. They're not, there's not one candidate or one person who is removing all peace-disturbing factors. Typically rulers, not just our own, but from different countries, what, what they bring with them is a weapon of some kind. They may be looking to bring peace to their country, but in order for their country to get that peace, what do they need to do? They disturb the peace of some other country. Or some other group of people so that their people might experience some peace. But Christ is not like that. When he came into this world and when he lived in our place, he he didn't wield a weapon. He came into this world and he lived this perfect life. And then he died a sacrificial death on the cross where he he took the punishment for all of our sins so that that he would remove all peace-disturbing factors. Anything that would, would, would... interrupt our peace with God, he he dealt with it once and for all by shedding his blood for our sins as penalty so that we would forever have peace with God and that we might have that peace with one another as well. And so that's who he is. He's our Prince of Peace. What a gift. See, it's this peace that has changed our standing with God by faith alone in Christ alone. So this Christmas, may we stop for a moment, revel in this amazing truth that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the Prince of Peace. May we stop and just remind one another that we have real, genuine peace with God. 
because Christ lived and died in our place. And we have this peace with God because God has so loved us, he sent Jesus so that we might receive this peace. This is good news. I know that it's easy to get caught up in all the excitement of Christmas. One of the things I've been meditating on and thinking about throughout this whole season and praying for us as a church would be that we wouldn't, we wouldn't love the Christmas season more than we love the Savior. See, we, we have a Christmas season because we have a Savior. God has given us Jesus Christ. And the beauty of Christmas is not the season. And it's fun. I get it. I love, I love the lights. I love driving around at night and seeing houses lit up. I love walking into my house. It feels different during the Christmas season. There's more things in it. There's a, there's a fake tree in it. We're a fake tree family. Not by choice. I guess it's by my choice. Sorry, guys. Anyway, so, so we, I like that. It's just, it just it feels warm. It feels cozy. It, it feels good. And it's part of the season. But, but what happens to the season? It goes away. And it goes away pretty quickly. But God has given us a Savior in Jesus Christ who never leaves. And so we don't just get to worship Him on a Christmas Eve or, or even on a Sunday. We get to worship Him every day of the year. We get to look to Him. We get to celebrate Him. Because God has so loved us and He has given Him to us. We're going to have the band come up and join me. We're going to close by singing one song together. We have the ushers come forward as well. They're going to hand out, I guess you have candles. They're going to light them. So let's just be safe, okay? But as we, we sing this song, Let us not be too focused on the candle. Let us be reminded that our God has given us his only son. And he is our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God. He's our everlasting father. And he's our prince of peace. Let's stand and worship him.